The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Doug Powell, president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. And welcome to the 10 Warning Signs of Alzheimer's. And I apologize for the late start, but we had some folks over in the other in another room where we had originally been assigned, and so we wanted to make sure everybody had the opportunity to to join us and get this great information from uh, Anna Sampley, who is from the uh, Alzheimer's Association of Illinois, and she gave up her Sunday. Well, actually, she says. She got out of the house. She's got two under, under two-year-olds, uh, so she left them at home and is having a, a mini vacation with us today. <laughs> so without any further ado, uh, welcome and thank you for coming. And here is Anna Sampley from the Alzheimer's Association of Illinois. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. I am, like Doug said, I'm on vacation and get to spend uh, the next 45 minutes or so with all of you. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of a feedback, so I'm going to stand up just in case. Um, so I, I have worked at the Alzheimer's Association since March of 2020. Does everybody, does that sound familiar, that date when the pandemic came out and changed? So my role is a manager of education and community volunteer. Um, I go and give presentations all across the state of Illinois um, to people wanting to know more about Alzheimer's and dementia and what are the signs and symptoms to be aware of. We also work very closely with volunteers to lead these presentations and we have caregiver support groups. So these are for people who are caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's and dementia um, because somebody with the disease, it, each day is a new day and you don't really know what to expect. It can, it can be very stressful for caregivers. So in addition to caring for those people with dementia or Alzheimer's, we have a lot of programs that we offer that are also tailored towards caregivers themselves. So I'm honored to be here with you today to talk a little bit about the 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's. So throughout the presentation, um, I would like this to be interactive. If you have questions, if you'd like me to slow down or whatever the case may be, please let me know. I'm here for you and I want you to have this information and to be able to share with your loved ones as well. Um, so today's presentation, we're going to go through the most common warning signs of Alzheimer's dementia to help you be informed of what is typical aging and what is not. So as we age, there are changes that take place in all of us, right? And so we're going to go through these signs of when to discern this is typical and this is not, and maybe we should go get it checked out. Um, so by the end of today's program, the goal is for you to be able to describe what is a typical age-related change uh, in terms of memory, thinking, and behavior. And this is a really key component as well, because a lot of times when people talk about Alzheimer's or dementia, they think it only has to do with your memory. And that's not true. There's also changes in thinking and behavior that you need to be aware of. So you'll be able to recognize the common warning signs of Alzheimer's and dementia. 
discuss tips for approaching someone with memory concerns. So if you're seeing these changes in yourself or in a loved one, how to have that conversation and then explain the importance of early detection and benefits of diagnosis, as well as identifying possible tests and assessments for the process. So before I begin by show of hands, and I'm going to say how many in the room, um, know someone with Alzheimer's or dementia. And as I look around the room, every single table, the majority of the people have their hands raised. And so just so you know, this is considered a public health crisis. You can put your hands down. It, it, around our, in the U.S., there's over 6 million Americans living with Alzheimer's dementia. And there's over 13 million caregivers taking care of somebody either at their home, full-time or part-time with this disease. So you're not alone. This is happening more and more in our communities. So it's really important to know what those signs are early on. So throughout the presentation today, we are gonna be following along a fictitious family, but this family is also what would be typical in terms of, um, you know, kind of talking through what the signs and symptoms are of a loved one. So we're gonna meet the Garcias. I hope everybody on Zoom can hear me okay and they'll let me know if they can't, right? So we're gonna talk a little bit about um, Mary. Mary is a 73-year-old widow who lives alone. She is a retired teacher and she has always meticulously cared for her home. Her daughter has recently noticed laundry piling up Male and newsfaders scattered throughout the house. Lydia, her eldest of Mary's two daughters, lives a few miles away and visits her mom frequently. And then Patricia lives in another state. She works long hours and she's unable to visit her mom frequently. So this next slide demonstrates a text message going in between the two sisters. And I'm going to read it. Worried about mom. She keeps losing things and the house is a mess. The sister responds, probably normal to get a little forgetful with age. It's so unlike her, the sister responds. Should we worry? Let's reach out to our old neighbor, Dr. Salloway. Dr. Salloway is not a fictitious physician. He is a physician that works at uh, the Alzheimer's Association in research. And we're going to hear what he has to say. So I'm going to play the sound from my computer. And if you cannot hear it, raise my hand and I'll stop. As we get older, cognitive problems become more noticeable for almost everybody. And it can vary from person to person. Typically with age, people have trouble coming up with the word they want right when they want it. They have trouble remembering names and they don't think quite as quickly. What's more concerning, or what might be the beginning of a memory problem, is people have a lot of trouble coming up with words or names, and it's happening more frequently, and the words or names don't necessarily come to them later. And then they start misplacing things, but not just once in a while, because we all misplace things, but more often. And it begins to interfere day to day. That should be a warning sign for people that this might be the beginning of a memory problem. So we're all here today to learn more about dementia and Alzheimer's and identify those common warning signs. 
You may have heard the terms dementia and Alzheimer's used interchangeably, um, but I was talking to my friend at lunch and as they are not interchangeable. So Alzheimer's is actually the most common form of dementia. There's over 70 types, seven zero types of dementia. Alzheimer's just happens to be the most common form. And before I go to the next slide, I just want my friends on Zoom to know if you have any questions, please be sure to raise your hand and we'll get to them as well. So what is dementia? We're gonna hear from one of our experts, Heather Snyder. Heather also works at the Alzheimer's Association. Dementia is the umbrella term for an individual's changes in memory, thinking, or reasoning. There are many possible causes of dementia and Alzheimer's is the most common cause. Other causes of dementia are vascular dementia, which is marked by changes in the blood flow and the blood vessels in the brain. Dementia with Lewy bodies, identified by specific brain changes throughout the brain that include the buildup of a protein known as alpha-synuclein. And frontal temporal dementia, which is marked by brain cell loss in the front sections of the brain or the frontal lobe. Each type of dementia may have distinct characteristics to cause specific behaviors in the individual. But there is also some overlap in behaviors among the types of dementia. So we're going to talk specifically, Dr. Dean Hartley is going to talk about what is Alzheimer's. More than 100 years ago, Dr. Alice Alzheimer's described specific changes in the brain, what we call the formation of plaques and tangles. Now, Alzheimer's is a progressive brain disease that's marked by these key changes and is thought to impact memory, thinking, and behavior. The brain has three main parts, the cerebrum, the cerebellum, and the brainstem. Each one plays a role in how the body functions. The cerebrum fills up most of your skull. It is part of the brain most involved in remembering, problem solving, thinking, and even feelings. There are about 100 billion nerve cells or neurons throughout the brain that transmit messages in order for us to create memories, feelings, and thoughts. Alzheimer's disease causes uh, nerve cells to die, which leads to the brain tissue loss, or what we call shrinkage, and causes loss of function and communication between cells. These changes can cause the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, such as memory loss, problems with thinking, planning, behavioral issues, and even at the end stages, problems with swallowing. And the last video we'll hear is from, doc, uh, is from Ruth Drew, who's going to talk about the importance of knowing the signs and for early detection. It's important to know what the warning signs of Alzheimer's are and to be on the lookout. We know that we change over time and the warning signs of Alzheimer's can be warning signs of a number of things. But when you see those in yourself or in someone you care about, it's important to check it out, to consult with a doctor, to find out what you're dealing with. And so now we'll get into the heart of the program, which really what, what are these signs? Um, as, Drew, as Ruth mentioned, it's important to know what the warning signs are and what to look out for with this behavior. The Alzheimer's Association has created a list of 10 to really help people understand what is a typical age-related change and what would be a sign of dementia. So it's also important to note that this list is intended to be a tool to help people identify unusual changes in a person's memory, thinking, or behavior. 
but it does not constitute a diagnosis of dementia. And when we talk through each one of these steps, um, you know, there may be an underlying condition that might be causing that change, which is why we always say this is a guide. It's not to be used as a diagnostic tool. That would obviously, that would need to be followed up with your primary care provider who would then get you to a specialty provider. And we'll talk about that later. Also important to note that individuals may experience one or more of these signs to a different degree. So it doesn't, you, you could have one of the signs and it could actually be a reason to go get checked out. So just to consider. So the first sign that we're gonna look, look at and talk a little bit through is memory loss that disrupts daily life. One of the most common signs of Alzheimer's, especially early on, is forgetting recently learned information. Others include forgetting important dates, events, or repeatedly asking the same questions and increasingly relying on memory aids or leaning on others for things or tasks once handled on their own. And that's really the distinguishing factor is that if you're somebody who never really, you know, paid attention to people when they're like telling you their name or anything like that, you don't remember, I mean, that's not really a change. It's something that the subtle difference is things that used to become natural to you, what used to be something that like was natural, but something that's not really changing, then that, that would not necessarily be a sign. Individuals makes, um, sorry about that, a typical age-related change is sometimes forgetting the information, but remembering it later. So, you know, often you could say like, somebody just told you something, and you're like, oh, I just, or how about a word? You got the word on the, you, you're, talking to somebody and you're like, I can't think of the word, of, what, is, what is that word? And then it comes to you later. That is a typical age-related change. We all kind of go through that as we age, but it's after somebody would tell you the word and then you, it still wouldn't sound familiar, right? So it's this subtle change in terms of memory loss. The repetition is also a big one. And most often that's a family member or friend or close loved one that would call that out in recognition. Sorry, video went by. Uh, the next sign is challenges in planning or solving problems. So a typical age-related change, once in a while, we may forget to pay the electric bill, forget to pay the phone bill. I don't know. There's a lot of aids now that are out there that help you set up an automatic bill pay, right? So we don't have to worry about it. it kind of happens naturally. But there's another, it, you know, it's, if it's once in a while and we forget about it and we say, oh, I forgot, right? It's another thing if all of a sudden you've had six months of electric bills and somebody comes to the house and you turn on the light and the light doesn't turn on, right? Or no longer you, you can't put on the TV or you can't put on your radio because the electric has been turned off because the consistency of bills has been piling up, right? Um, a possible sign of dementia is something, again, trouble following a familiar recipe or keeping track of monthly bills. Uh, difficulty concentrating and taking much longer to complete tasks. So a familiar recipe example would be, you know, your Aunt Sally for as long as you can remember at that family barbecue made that amazing potato salad. It was Aunt Sally's famous potato salad. You, when you think about it, your mouth waters, it's awesome. You go to that barbecue and all of a sudden it's super salty or it's got like a weird taste to it. That is an that would be a sign because Aunt Sally's been making this salad for how long? 
all these family barbecues all these years, and now it's tasting a little off. Hey, Aunt Sally, I noticed something tasted a little different there, right? I mean, it sounds silly, but it's it's something that, you know, it, it's really off for that person. And this is why it's really important that these aren't just changes that are happening to us. If you see, if you're noticing these changes in your loved one to make sure to bring it up. Um, with that, I'm gonna share another quick uh, video. And this was a sign for John. I was probably spending four to five times more time preparing for something than I did say five or 10 years ago uh, to, because of the, uh, I would lose my thought, I'd lose my focus, I'd get anxious, I wouldn't get to sleep. I was thinking, I was in my sleep, I was thinking about what I was anxious about, which was I was trying to remember, which was I was trying to prepare, which I was trying to do. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really a vicious circle of, uh, so I was able to control it a lot um, so that people on the, wouldn't see things and, and, and that there weren't things to be seen. It's what was, what was disturbing me was what effort I had to put into uh, to, to do the things I used to do more easily. So how John is describing it, and I think this is also really important to note, is he was able to mask it, right? Like he, was, he knew that this was going on, but he could hide it from other people, you know, which is also, it's, that's when, as hard as it might be that these changes are taking place, it's so important to talk to somebody about it and get that assessment. And we're going to talk a little bit later on in the presentation as to why. But I think that's the key when listening to John is that he noticed it, but he was able to hide it. And that's not what we want to do. Number three, possible sign of dementia, difficulty completing future, uh, familiar tasks. So a typical age-related change, I joke with people, I know Doug had shared that I've got two kids under the age of three, um, but I don't know how anybody else feels about this, like, you know, it sounds like, I don't know, from anything from Siri to all the different types of remote controls and all the different technologies that come out. I mean, I, my husband has like six different remotes and I don't know how to work any of them. So when he leaves, I'm useless, right? But it happens, like you might need to ask somebody, how does this new piece of technology work in today's world that's happening all the time? Um, a possible sign of dementia, driving to a familiar location is difficult. Organizing a grocery list, remembering the favorite, remembering the rules of a favorite game. So, you know, in an instance with, um, that would concern me is my father and mother have played bridge for, 40 plus years they've been married and they no longer, if my dad started, you know, not remembering the rules of the game, or if he started losing a lot, cause he always brags about how much he wins, that would be a concern, right? And similarly, my colleague, when his grandmother was recently diagnosed with dementia, she went to the same church all of her life, lived in the same street, same road, 60 years, same, you know, knew how to get there. One day when she was going to church, it took her three hours. So that, you know what I mean? Like that's the difference. And it's not, it's down the street from her house, right? So that would be a warning sign. And a lot of times if somebody does that, they feel embarrassed. So they don't want to share that. Um, but so, so important to be on the lookout for that type of, that type of change. Another warning sign, number four. Confusion with time or place. So 
in this instance, a typical age-related change, I, I tell people that during the pandemic, it felt like nobody knew what day it was. Nobody knew what month it was. It didn't really matter. It was kind of like day and night, right? During the pandemic, because we, you know, we're all kind of isolating. Um, typical age-related change, getting confused about the day of the week, right? What day is it again? You know, is it Tuesday? Who knows, right? That's not, that's not that big of a deal. Typical age-related change. Possible sign of dementia is you're forgetting where you are and how you got there. And that would be like in the middle of a conversation. So you're at a friend's house and you're having a small gathering, you're listening to the voices talking, and all of a sudden you don't know where you are and you get really scared and you don't say anything because you don't know who you're with, right? So that would be more of a sign. Um, having trouble understanding something if it is not happening immediately or why it's not happening immediately. And that can be connected to the memory piece where all of a sudden, you know, that's where those plaques and tangles come in. Sign number five, trouble understanding visual and spatial relationships. Um, so I had a gentleman in here earlier who had said when he's been, uh, had been assessed for Alzheimer's dementia, this was something that he struggled with his whole life is that visual um, concern. And so he had to make sure when he was going to talk to his provider about the changes he was seeing, that that wasn't something that was new. That was something that was familiar to him. So that, that again, that, the, you know, the caveat for all of these signs is, you know, yourself, your loved ones know you. And if it's not this huge chain that, you know, you know, that might not mean to be the concern, but in this specific instance, as we age, very common for us to lose vision, like having issues with vision. Every, you know, a lot of people have reading glasses or as Doug was saying earlier, when it comes to, you know, as a aging population in this country, more and more adults and seniors are losing their vision altogether, right? So that is a huge concern. In the case of Alzheimer's dementia, where this would differ is somebody with good vision who doesn't have issues, never, you know, never wore any types of glasses or bifocals, goes to the doctor and says, I'm really having trouble seeing. I need to get my eyes checked. They check their vision and there's actually nothing different with their vision. It's how their brain is processing the information. So that is a sign. Um, you know, difficulty with balance, problems judging distance and determining color of contrast. Many people with Alzheimer's dementia for that reason no longer are able to drive because they're not able to discern on the road um, you know, stop signs or the, the, you know, the car in front of them. So that would be a sign. We're going to hear from the expert a little bit more about this sign. Alzheimer's disease is not just a disease of memory. It can affect other things too. It can affect the way that we perceive what we see. So sometimes somebody in the early stages of Alzheimer's might go to the eye doctor because they're having trouble seeing and in fact their vision is just fine but the way they're perceiving what they're seeing may be difficult. The next sign is new problems with words in speaking or writing. So typical age-related change, I mean, this is what I was referring to earlier. You know, you've got that word on the tip of your tongue. It's, it's not gonna come to you. Somebody fills in the blank and you're like, yep, that's it. A possible sign of dementia is you'd be in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden you have no idea how to continue. 
You don't know what happened before. You don't know what happened after. And then even when somebody's like, oh, no, we were talking about, you know, Jack and how he, you know, needs a little bit more help during the day. And, and, and you're just like not even there. Right. So it, it's like a complete loss of the thought process. Um, the repeating themselves is, is a huge one. I have a very dear friend who has been recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's now going on two years. And that was one of the first signs for us when we would go out to dinner and, um, you know, her, her partner at the time had called me and said, you know, she keeps, <laughs> she's asking me the same question all the time. And I, even when I tell her she's doing that, she's not really sure. And they called me because they know I work at the association and turns out she got assessed and she did get diagnosed. And now when I spend time with her every couple of minutes, she'll ask me how we know each other. So it's a repeating um, in a different kind of way, struggling with vocabulary, having trouble um, naming what would be a familiar object. So instead of calling a watch a watch, it would say something like, you know, that wrist brand, that wrist thing, that thing that you have on your wrist that has numbers on it, because you cannot think of the actual word. And again, I think the distinguishing factor is that when somebody says the word, you still don't know it. And so I see your hand raised. Did you have a question? Should we have him speak in the microphone so everybody can hear on the Zoom? Here. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned uh, trying to find out what the, the word is for watch in, in your mind. You know, you're mulling around in your mind and you can't quite come up with the... Are you saying that that is a, a dementia sign or is that just something that happens to, you know, you and me any time of the day? Yeah, that's a great question. So... It's, it's one thing to say, oh, what is that word, right? And then somebody says it and you're like, oh yeah, a watch, right? That is not a sign of dementia. That happens to us. There's, you know, breaks a little bit in the neurons, uh, you know, the synapses that are going in between the neurons, right? That happens. And then when somebody tells you, you got it. But if somebody tells you that it's a watch and afterwards you're like, oh, I don't think that's it, right? Or... You, doesn't sound familiar at all. That would be the concern. Um, is that helpful? Yes. Okay. Anna, do you want to take a question from Zoom? I do. I don't know. Okay. Bill. <laughs> Thank you. Um, several months ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, having a conversation with her, and she was talking about one thing, and right in the middle of the sentence. She immediately changed subjects and started talking about something else. Is that a sign of dementia? Yeah, again, you know, it's really important, as subtle as it sounds. Um, and like I said in the beginning with the 10 warning signs, there can be one sign or there could be many, right? So, and one thing to do, and we'll talk a little bit about this, about how, it, when you do start seeing these, when you do start noticing these signs in a loved one or friend or family member, how to gently bring it up with them. And we'll talk about it, right? So for whoever, um, the gentleman who was on the phone who asked the question, you know, that could be, so you might want to just take note and say, I wonder the next time when we have that conversation, if that comes up again, it might be important for us to, you know, for me to bring up why it's important to have her go get this checked out. 
And you have one more hand in Zoom, but I'm not sure if you want to finish your presentation or do you want to take questions? <laughs> it's um, uh, we can have we can have the question asked and then I'll keep going with the signs. Okay, Margie. Good morning from California. I have a question. Um, I recently sustained a head injury and I'd like to know if there's any links between traumatic brain injuries and Alzheimer's. Thank you. Yes. Um, this presentation specifically doesn't go over the risk factors, but traumatic brain injuries are considered a risk factor for Alzheimer's dementia. So you would definitely want to make sure that any provider you're meeting with, if that um, has taken place, that that medical records would be passed along because it should be considered. It, it does not mean if you have a traumatic brain injury that it will result in Alzheimer's dementia. It just means it's a risk factor. All right, Tim, go ahead. Um, I have very low vision, but I also have, uh, 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Is dementia more prevalent with Parkinson's? And now lower and alert, raise hand. Or is, it, or is there no relation? So I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't really hear the question clearly. Um, my question Could you repeat? Was that, yes, I I have very low vision, and I also have Parkinson's. And I was just wondering if what was the relationship with dementia and Parkinson's? So Parkinson's is a form of dementia. So as Alzheimer's is a form of dementia, there are over seventy types of dementia, and Parkinson's is one form of it. So dementia, think of it as the umbrella term. And there's 70 different types. A lot of people will also, that's usually a follow-up question with, does it matter what type of dementia I have? And it does, which is why, again, you would need to be seen by a specialty provider to be assessed because there are certain treatments that are available for certain dementias. Okay, I'm going to go to the next sign, which is misplacing things and losing the ability to retrace steps. So a typical age-related change, Doug, are you laughing back there? Yeah. Okay. Doug's laughing. I think Doug misplaces things. We can ask his wife who's in the back of the room later. Um, typical age-related changes, missing placing things from time to time and retracing steps to find them. So I joke too, because my husband bought me one of those. It's like a button that you can press on your, it's like a little keychain that you can press that can both find your phone and your key. Like it's on your phone too, or something like that. Um, because I always lose my keys and I don't even know how many times they're in the door, right? Like the ridiculous thing, or how many of us love, you know, glasses on the forehead, where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? And then you're like, Oh, okay. They're on my forehead. I don't know how many of you asked where your phone was and it's in your hand. How many? Go ahead. Be brave souls. Raise your hand if that's the case, because I do it all the time. So many. Okay. Few brave souls we have in the room. So the point is, it's common. Typical age-related change. We're going to lose things from time to time. Um, a possible sign of dementia, losing things and unable to go back over to find them. So this would be the instance where, you know, say that, you know, there's a partnership in the house and, you know, Tom leaves his keys by the, the, on the counter and he can't seem to find them and, you know, really upset about it and then finds them, but doesn't know that he doesn't remember why he put them on the counter. 
And then starts to think, you know, somebody must have, I bet you Cheryl took the keys and put them there. It becomes a sense of paranoia because you cannot recall the steps of what happened, right? Um, there's also a lot of what would be considered bizarre placement of items. So, you know, something like cereal boxes in the freezer, right? Or shoes are going in the bathroom and not just because you don't, you know, have a closet with shoes because, because you don't know where to put them. A lot of accusing of stealing. So there was an instance in which someone called, she lived on the first floor and her mother lived on the second floor and mom was diagnosed with dementia. And mom came down one day and said, that stove looks really familiar. I think you took it from me. So mom thinks that daughter brought the stove from upstairs by herself to the first floor. That's a problem, right? So that would be a sign. We're going to hear from an expert on this sign. So some people wonder if, you know, if they lose their keys or their glasses or their purse, is that a sign of Alzheimer's? And one thing that I would say about that is for most of us, we might misplace something, but then if we retrace our steps, we can usually find it. We can usually remember. For a person with Alzheimer's, sometimes they're not able to retrace their steps. Sometimes that memory is just gone. And so when they do find their keys next to the phone because they got interrupted by a phone call when they were coming in, they set their keys down in an unusual space. So there they are next to the phone. If that happened to you or me, we'd probably remember, oh yeah, the phone was ringing when I came in the door. I put down my keys. The person with Alzheimer's might not remember. They might wonder who's moving their keys around because they never put their keys by the phone. So that's just a little bit of a difference in uh, the, some of the dynamics with losing things in Alzheimer's. The next sign is decreased or poor judgment. So someone with a typical age-related changes, like, you know, if we forget to, um, I mean, similar to the bill, the bills, right? Like you forget to pay a bill one month for whatever reason. A possible sign of dementia would be using poor judgments with money. So perhaps maybe you donate to a specific organization on a monthly basis, right? But all, the, all of a sudden, instead of putting $50, you're putting $5,000 a month, right? And no longer are your bills able to be paid because you're putting out so much money. Um, you pay less attention to grooming or keeping themselves clean. Again, like, I don't know, as we age, it's like, well, do I really care about washing my hair, curling? Not so much, whatever, who cares? We'll just go out. But it's more of like a, an attention to the actual like grooming and cleansing, you know, making sure that you're, um, you know, taking showers and whatever to get ready. But um, that's, that's a difference. So we're going to hear from Teresa, which she, what sign she saw in herself that made her go get uh, assessed. The way I kept my house, I always, I wouldn't say I was OCD, but pretty close to it. And all of a sudden, everything was okay with me. It's like, oh, it's a pile, I'm tired. So my dining room table usually looked like it was someone's office, because I always would say I would do it tomorrow. And then my bedroom, as far as clothing, I would just put it in a corner, put it in a chair. And all of this is just, I wouldn't say it looked like um, I was a pet rat, but really I was, because I never threw anything away. I always would say, I'll get to it, but I never did get to it. So just the way 
of my standard of living, it was actually decreasing. And her recognition of it. Number nine is withdrawal from work or social activities. Um, so I would say, you know, typical age-related changes. Sometimes you don't want to go to that family party or that social gathering. You're like, eh, I'm good. I'll just stay home. You know, <laughs> I'd rather be by myself than interact with. That's fine. You know, it's like we get more comfortable with ourselves and our decisions as we get older, and it doesn't always require social engagement. But in this case, a sign of dementia would be a person living with dementia may experience changes in the ability to follow a conversation, which is why they're stopping the social activity, right? They are starting to see these changes. And so now all of a sudden, you know, your friend, Leanne, who you see every week at the local, you know, coffee and connect, you're chatting with them up. She's not coming anymore. Right. And this is something you saw Leanne all the time. She was chatty, Kathy. She was always there, you know, making sure everyone felt included. And now she's not coming anymore. Or, you know, they, they feel concerned because they can't keep up with the conversations or the common games. You know, that would be a concern. So we're going to hear from an expert on this one. One of the most common changes and early on is the person's comfort zone shrinks a little bit. And then that gets worse throughout the course of the illness. So they're less comfortable going out. They're less motivated to do things than they were in the past. So there's some change in day-to-day -day functioning that way. I think they, people also lose confidence in their cognitive abilities because they may not recognize someone or know their name or find the right word and they'll feel awkward and they don't want people to notice that so they feel more comfortable at home or in situations with family where they're very, very comfortable with that wouldn't concern them. So people tend to withdraw a little bit and be less uh, outgoing. That's one of, can be one of the early signs of Alzheimer's. And, the, and this is very troubling and concerning. The Surgeon General recently came out with uh, concern around isolation. You know, people that are isolating as we age for all these reasons, and this is what we're really trying to combat. The last sign that I'm going to cover today is changes in mood and personality. So a typical age-related change, you know, again, as we get older, we have our ways of doing things and that's okay, right? We've gone through life and now we've figured out how we want to do it, how it should look, how it should feel. So when that becomes disrupted, we can get annoyed, right? Like it's easy to get irritable about something like that. Um, totally common. Somebody with dementia, you know, the, the mood kind of goes a lot quicker and they can become quickly confused, sometimes suspicious, at times depressed, fearful or anxious for all the reasons that we were just talking about. And they can get easily upset whether they're at home or with friends or out of, you know, anytime out of their comfort zone. So a lot of times the example that I talk about specifically with this sign is somebody who's been you know, one of the examples that they, that they gave of uh, somebody who called, called the helpline, you had this one woman who was a churchgoer. I mean, she was every Sunday, very quiet, very timid, always kind, you know, doesn't really, you know, you know, kind of like make any sudden moves when it comes to like social interactions or speaking her mind a lot. And all of a sudden she can't stop swearing. It's like 
up a storm, right? Like they're like, oh my gosh. I mean, she talked like that all the time, but that it's, it's this pendulum swing of a personality change. And honestly, with this one, it can be most disruptive for the family members because we've also had, there was a daughter who had called our helpline once whose father was diagnosed and she had a horrible relationship with her father growing up, horrible. I mean, he was just not a kind man to her. And all of a sudden he just like would doubt on her and was like so kind. So it was really difficult for her to manage that diagnosis and those changes. So these are the changes um, you know, that we should be aware of. At this point, we're gonna go back to the Garcias um, the fictitious family that we were talking about. And Mary's just daughters at this point are concerned about the changes. So they've seen some changes in their mom and they want to find out um, when it's time to see a doctor and let them know about the changes they've witnessed. So we've got another text message going on in between Lydia and Patricia. And Lydia says, do you look at, did you look at the warning signs, the info I sent you? And Patricia says, I did but I still don't know. Mom's showing a couple of signs, but not all of them. How do we know if it's serious enough to go to the doctor? And we're gonna hear back again from Dr. Salloway. Memory is not all or none, especially when there are early symptoms or signs. So on a good day, people might function very well and not really even, no one notices there's a memory problem. But on other days, uh, especially if they're tired, then if things become more noticeable. So memory is variable. It's not all or none. And then there are different type of symptoms that develop um, for each person. So some people may have trouble with language, may have trouble with organizing themselves, may have trouble navigating while driving, and other people don't have the same symptoms. So you don't have to have every symptom of Alzheimer's to be concerned. And I think the most important thing is determining what has changed from that person's normal level of functioning. And usually people have a pretty keen sense of you know, what they can normally do well. And then when they, either they or the family notice that there has been some change from that usual pattern of functioning, that should be a warning sign to people. But they don't have to check up all the boxes. Yeah, so if there's one message that I really want to drive from this conversation today, it's that, you know, these changes can happen quickly and quickly and or subtly, right? A little bit of both. And so you don't have to check off all the boxes, like Dr. Talloway said, but if you see these changes in yourself or in a loved one, it is so key to get that assessment. And this next um, couple slides, we're going to talk about the importance of early detection, why it's so important to get in if those changes are happening. Um, so first, we're going to hear from an expert. You know, it's a very interesting phenomenon that people who have memory problems are often less aware of it than family members or their friends who know them well. One of the reasons for that is our ability to monitor ourselves, which is an important part of brain function, decreases when we start having memory problems. Not in everybody, but commonly and more than half the people with memory problems. And so the person is just not keeping track of the trouble they're having day to day. But the family members are, you know, paying attention. If they're paying attention, they see, boy, this is starting to happen a lot. And the person's not aware of it. So the family's more aware. And they may talk to their loved one about it. And they say, you know, I've noticed you've been repeating yourself. And they say, I'm not repeating myself. 
And that could either be due to the fact that they're not aware of it or they may not want to acknowledge it. And for that gentleman who asked the question on the phone about his friend who they were in the middle of a conversation and they just stopped, that, I mean, that really is what that message is there is that most often it is somebody else recognizing that change in us. It can be in the case of John, who spoke to us earlier about he did notice the changes, he just didn't want to say something about it. But this is why it's so important. You know, Dr. Sal is mentioning that we pay attention to one another. We pay attention to our loved ones. We let them know if we're starting to see these signs. So what did Mary notice in her husband, Daryl, that made her go get him checked out? I was so adamant about what was happening to um, Daryl. I wasn't sure. I didn't know. And I this wasn't the person that I know. This wasn't... Um, the person, Daryl was very, my husband was very, um, he always had to be building or designing or working with his hands. And it was getting to the point where he wasn't, and he was becoming very frustrated when he was forgetting to do things or go places. So if you do start to see these signs, it's really important to have this conversation. And it's not an easy conversation to have. Um, so if you do notice the changes, the Alzheimer's Association has created, it's called 10 Steps. I guess we like the number 10, right? 10 warning signs and now there's 10 steps. 10 steps to approach memory concerns. And we're going to go through these steps because it's helpful to kind of think through how to talk about this with somebody because it's not an easy conversation to have. So first, what you want to do is assess the situation. The first step, what exact changes are you seeing in memory, thinking, or behavior? What changes, as you're paying attention when you're having conversations with your loved one, what exactly is happening? Number two, what else is going on? And I think this is really key. It's, it's just because some of these signs are happening, there could be an undiagnosed urinary tract infection. There could be another underlying infection. There could be a medication that they're taking that they're having an, you know, an adverse reaction to. So there's a lot, it, it doesn't necessarily mean there's a diagnosis there, but to consider what other things are going on with the loved one. Number three, learning about the signs and benefits of early diagnosis. All of you here today are doing that. And four, has anyone else noticed the changes? So for the gentleman on the Zoom call who had asked about their friend, if you have mutual friends or if you know of, you know, another friend or family member that you're close to, to check in with that person and say, hey, you know, have you, have you noticed that went in the middle of conversation that got kind of get lost and it's, it's hard to follow? That also really helps when you come to have the conversation with this person. So that's the next step, having the conversation. So this one is really key. Who should have the conversation? Um, at the Alzheimer's Association, we do a lot of care consultations with families because everybody has a different way of thinking how this should, this should, this should go, right? So there might be opposing, whether it's a child or a loved one or a neighbor or even among friends, right? Like we have different ways of wanting to approach these conversations. So we know that person who most likely will be the best person to, you know, to send that information in which that loved one will receive it, right? <clears throat> the next is what is the best time and place to have the conversation? 
So if it is a group of friends, I, I would, you know, probably encourage you not to have that first conversation along around everyone, right? It's better probably if there's one or two, you know, smaller is better because you don't want them to become overwhelmed or feel like, you know, they're being called out for some reason. Number seven is what will you actually say? And as silly as it sounds, it is probably important to practice it because they can become very upset. They can become irritated or agitated, you know, even checking in because maybe you have an intention. Okay. We're going to go get lunch. want to sit down, want to talk with you about something. And they're just having even more of an off day. It might not be the time to do it. So thinking through what you'll actually say and when equally important offer to go with them to the doctor you know, saying like, this may be really scary, but I'm here with you. I care about you. I love you. I want, I want us to get to the bottom of this. And if needed, and most likely will have to happen, you'll have to have multiple conversations. It's not going to most likely be this first conversation. We sit down and see these changes. And then where do we go from there? Reaching out for support. Um, the Alzheimer's Association, part of the reason why I'm here and why I love my job is that we don't want anyone to go through this alone. It's a really difficult journey to navigate. It's really hard to, um, you know, consider all the things that lie before you. And so we want to make sure that people know that there's resources that are available. So now we're going to hear from an expert on the importance there of early are a detection. There benefits in early detection of Alzheimer's. For one thing, a person is able to have a voice in what happens next. They can make plans. They can live life more on their own terms. They can also make plans for the future, financial plans, care plans. They can let people know what they want, which can be a real gift later on. It also allows time for families to make plans and to dis make decisions about who can do what and, and figure out care and, and those kinds of issues. Some people are interested in clinical trials. Clinical trials allow people to have access to treatments that aren't available yet. And for some people, that can be a really important thing to pursue. So early detection, as uh, Drew was mentioning is for all the reasons it gives more autonomy that person can have a say um, earlier on. In terms of seeking a diagnosis, um, what am I going to do? Sorry, it's, it's my computer saying something. Okay, I'm going to back that out. Um, so we're going to do a little test. I know you weren't going to, you weren't ready for that right after a lunch, and everyone's looking a little sluggish and ready to get up and move to the next one, but. Uh, true or false, there is currently no way to diagnose Alzheimer's disease. Okay, well, we're winning on the, we're winning on the test front, so it is false. Um, there are actually a number of ways to make it possible for healthcare professionals to identify this with a high degree of certainty. And that's actually more in recent years, right? Prior to um, more recently, they would have to wait until after somebody had passed for that possible assessments. This was a question that somebody had had earlier um, that we had been discussing was anything from, you know, not only the medical history, physical exam, screening for depression, interviews. A lot of times they do do interviews with close companions, um, but tests can also include laboratory tests, uh, 
mental cognitive status test, brain imaging, and CFS fluid um, analysis. Okay, so going back to the Garcias, what they decided this last conversation, appointments have been going well, mom handling them okay. Do they think it's really dementia? Guess we won't know until we get a diagnosis, but let's check in with Dr. Salloway to see if it could be anything else. Someone could have uh, high blood pressure that's out of control, or they might have a thyroid condition that's not regulated, or diabetes that's not right, or, not, or on a medication that actually can cause memory loss. Drinking too much alcohol can make memory worse. So there are a lot of factors that go into cognitive difficulty with aging that some of them can be remedied. And so we want to do everything we can to improve uh, cognitive ability and quality of life. So in terms of seeking a diagnosis, the diagnostic experience can vary from person to person. Something other than Alzheimer's or dementia could be causing the symptoms. And really, again, what the association is doing is continuing to raise awareness about the stigma and misconceptions about the disease. For instance, like nothing can be done. There are now treatments that are available um, that are prolonging the symptoms and onset of symptoms, right? So there is currently no cure, but we are, another fun fact, the Alzheimer's Association is the third largest funder of research in the world finding the U following the U.S. and Chinese government. So we're looking for a cure. We're going all the way, um, which to my next point, once my slide goes to the next one, finally find that final conversation between Patricia and Lydia. I called, but I got your voicemail. How'd it go? I'll call you later when I get home, but the diagnosis is early stage Alzheimer's. What do we do now? Doc said the Alzheimer's Association has free resources and some can even help people live well throughout the disease. We'll call soon, but there's hope. So for those of you for out, from what I understand, this is a nationwide conference. The Alzheimer's Association, our vision is a world without all forms of dementia and Alzheimer's. And we do that um, through carrying out our mission, which is accelerating global research, driving risk reduction and early detection and maximizing quality care and support. So we are there to provide support for people with the disease and their loved ones. Um, we have a helpline that's available. That number is 1-800-272-3900. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And there's over 200 languages spoken um, we do have translation services available. The reason why it's a 24-7 helpline, not hotline, the person on the other end of that line is a master's level clinician. They can ask you any questions that you have about the disease, getting extra information and resources. Um, and they're also there for caregivers who are calling really, you know, in the middle of the night, they're worried about their loved one wandering or something happening. So really important to know about that resource. That is the information that I have for you today. I wanted to leave it up for any questions. Oops, sorry about that music. Does anybody have any questions? Okay, I'm gonna come over to share the mic. I'm coming on your left. My name is Betsy and I have some information and some experience. Um, 
because of a disease that's not well known, moya moya, which affects your blood vessels in your brain, I've developed a mild cognitive um, impairment. And because of my daughter's interest in trying to research it, we worked with the University of Georgia, who didn't believe us at first, that there is hardly any research in dealing with totally blind people and dementia Alzheimer's. So they are working on developing a test because right now 90% of the test is, is visual. And I took the first test that they have developed and they made it totally tactual and verbal. So I just wanted people to know that most places do not have that. They're developing it. And but they say I have mild cognitive and what I explained to them for a sighted person it is mild cognitive for a totally blind person. It's really higher than that because when we lose something, we don't visually see it. When we forget where we put something, we can't find it. When we need reminders, we don't have a print piece of paper to look for it. And you have to remember where you put the note to remind you. So they're starting to realize that more research needs to be done for totally blind people and, and cognitive impairments. Betsy, I am so glad that you're here today and that you shared that information. And one thing that I think that we're trying to do with the association is broaden our scope. Um, and so I'd love to connect with you after this and talk through how we can get connected at the association to make that a resource available for folks when they call. Because, you know, that's we're better together, right? Like if people are calling and they have a visual impairment for whatever reason, right? Like we want to make sure to get them that access. So I'd love to talk with you before your next session. Oh, you don't have any more. Okay, good, even better. Okay, I've got another question over here. Big applause for Betsy, that's that's big. Hi, I was just kind of curious, it kind of goes with Betsy's question. Um, you mentioned, I think it was number five, that one of the signs is that spatial awareness. And I was just kind of curious how they're determining um, what is a visual change versus a mental change since like Betsy was saying, we don't see things the same. And um, if your brain's not processing it, how would you notice? Thank you. Thank you for your question. Yeah, and this is where I would say, I mean, we need to be better in improving our presentations and information, including for everybody. Um, because of that change with people that do not have visual impairments that are going in and saying that they're having visual impairments, that's how the test would be to say, oh yeah, you know, they think they are, but their brain is really not able to process the information to communicate to your eyes to see, right? So there, it's not actually anything wrong with the eye, the organ of the eye, it's the issue with the brain. Um, so I think that that's a really, again, why we need to improve assessments and how they're taking place. So um, yeah. Good question. Anna, we have questions on Zoom if you would yeah. like to take them. Yeah, and we've got two more in the room, so I'll take one from Zoom while I'm walking over. Okay. Um, Anisio. Hi. Um, well, first of all, it was a wonderful presentation. One, you made me feel a lot better because every time I, I forget a word or whatever, at least I know when people remind me. So I, the, the difference between what's normal and what's not was really, really wonderful. The thing that I would like to ask you about, I have a close family member whose husband <clears throat> was just diagnosed with vascular dementia and one of one of the one of the things she's dealing with right now is my sister is she's there's a lot of feelings of guilt you know why didn't i know this 
uh, why I was was I so angry with him when he forgot to to get to the grocery store and came home without even going there? You know, when I asked him to go there, and I, do you have any yeah. any tips or any anything that I can yes. help her with to feel at least feel better? Yes, yes. Thank so you. I think thanks, Anisio, for that. Um, and and as I mentioned earlier, not only do we care deeply about those who are diagnosed with the um, with dementia, or Alzheimer's, and we do at the association, even though they're Alzheimer's Association, we service anybody with any form of dementia. So vascular dementia, people mm-hmm. can receive our services, even though like the diagnosis and treatment might look different and the, the mm-hmm. provider that you're going to, but you can still, uh, any of the resources that we have available. So one resource that we have available is caregiver support groups. And these are nationwide. They can be virtual or in-person, you know, on Zoom. So there's conference call options that Mm -hmm. are available. Um, So again, by calling that helpline and getting some caregiver support, for those that are not, you know, because with caregivers, it's so stressful. It's a 24-hour job, right? And, And it's totally normal, right? When we talk about, what patients is needed to provide care and support. It's one thing to say that. And then in the day-to-day, you know, whether it's the same question or getting upset or getting agitated when this person is just trying to care for you, it can be really stressful. A lot of caregivers' health is actually um, declining for these reasons. So mm-hmm. give them some type of support in terms of caregiver support groups that can call the helpline, find out what's available local. We also have what's called alsconnected.org, which is an online platform for people who can go, um, you know, text and chat or, you know, find other people who are in that situation. Um, I also recommend the National Caregiving Alliance, which is a national organization that also puts out a lot of support. Um, But I really appreciate your question because I mentioned 6 million Americans in the beginning of this presentation that have Alzheimer's and dementia you know, there's 12 million of us caring for these people day in and out. Our lives are completely being, you know, changed, which is fine. We want to do it, right? But these are unpaid hours, you know, and it can be very, very stressful. So making sure that those caregivers are cared for as well. To my last point with that is that families themselves, caregivers were isolate because they no longer want to bring their loved one out into a situation that may be stressful for them or for their loved one. And that's why it's really important if you know someone to be able to provide that extra support. Here, sir, I'm going to hand you the phone on your left. Thank you. So uh, a shout out. Thank you, Betsy, for bringing this up because I'm going to piggyback on that. Uh, University of California, Davis, which does a lot of studies in the brain area, I was solicited by them for a study a couple of years ago and turned down because, uh, on Alzheimer's and dementia, turned down because I was blind. So I wrote a very nasty advocacy letter, not surprised many of you, of course. And they, they gave me a nice letter. So, oh, no, we would never turn you down on that basis. Uh, so tell us about yourself. And then they kissed me off with another criteria that they found to, you know, take me out of the study. So my, my point is, I think that maybe we in AVL ought to write a letter to the leadership of the Alzheimer's Association. I'm not talking about the one in, in Illinois, but the, it's a national organization and say, look, why don't you fund some research? into studies on specifically how to best come up with protocols for people who are blind and Alzheimer's. So maybe we ought to get on that. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I'd, I'm all about challenging leadership. So please write the letter and being more inclusive because that's what makes us better together and how we support each other. I'm coming up on your right. Thank you. Uh, 
<clears throat> two years before my mother passed away, I would come home uh, on different occasions and she'd ask what was going on. I'd tell her what was going on. Five minutes later, it would be the same question. What was going on? What have you been doing? Well, then, at different times, uh, before they moved into a retirement home, she asked, are you thinking about moving back to Peoria? I said, no, I, I like it. Down in Springfield, I live at the Mary Bright Home for the Blind. I like it down there. There's lots of activities. And then she had asked the same questions over and over and over. And I knew it was Alzheimer's. And then my sister called me on my dad's birthday because he stopped driving when he was 96 because of his health and she told me that if I call him wish him a birthday and she asked how I like it to just tell her I'm doing fine I'm enjoying it because he was going nuts trying to have, ask the same questions. Now, I was home in December of 2017 for a few days, and I saw her the first two times, and she didn't have much to say, but the last day I, when I went to go back, she was talking like she was more like herself, but then when my dad went into hospital for pneumonia, she went downhill and she had she wouldn't eat or anything. And uh, there are you say there are drugs that can bring it under control or. I think, yeah. Thanks for your question, and I think I think. With that point, it's the, the the most frustrating thing about Alzheimer's dementia is that we say at the association, if you know one person with the disease, you know one person with the disease. So it, it looks different, right? Like it's not like a standardization. It looks the same. The other thing they say is that it can progress at different rates for different reasons. So when your dad left, that was probably very stressful for her. And that caused that potential, you know, rapidly progressing, Right. In terms of it, she passed before he did. Yeah, I mean, and in terms of the medication, that's the reason why the treatments that are out there, what we know right now from the research, they work better in the earlier stages of the diagnosis, which is why, I mean, in this case, I don't, I don't know if that medic, I mean, I, I don't think that medication would have worked, right? It would have to have been in the earlier stages, but that's why early diagnosis of the disease is so critical. Yeah. And I got to wrap it up. Yeah. I know there's some other questions too on the zoom. I am happy to be available for questions and answers. Doug, if you want to share the information, but also know the helpline is there for you. 
Um, and I definitely encourage, you know, letters to leadership for things that have not been um, addressed or that be ways that we can do better in terms of improving our resources. Um, I'm happy to stay after for a question. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to share, Doug? Okay. All right. So first of all, we want to thank Anna for a wonderful presentation, right? She had no idea what she was walking into <laughs> and how it was going to all get hooked up and all that kind of stuff. And it just happened really smoothly. So thank you to uh, all the people behind the scenes, um, you know, in Zoom and everywhere else that, that made this happen. Uh, thank you very much, Anna, for coming. Um, and uh, as always, if you have questions, uh, you can write to community at acb.org and say about Alzheimer's, and it'll get funneled to us, and we can get it to Anna. Um, or, um, you know, also, hopefully, we can uh, put a couple of these documents up on our website, uh, AAVL website. Um, along with the link to this presentation so that um, people can can get these warning signs and that kind of thing. Um, and it's yeah, so we, we've got recourses for people to, you know, resources for people to use uh, after the, you know, after Anna leaves the room. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for coming. Um, I don't, so there's no, uh, no CEU codes. So I think we're all set. And uh, again, have a have a great. Oh, so here in this room uh, for the next session, it's um, the new normal with Pam Shaw. She's coming to us through Zoom. So if you want to stick around and uh, and have that, you know, interact with Pam on what the new normal is, um, you, you know, you're more than invited to do so. Thank you very much for coming. Have a great convention.